0: I mean, what's that football focus doing? Last week they had Brady, this week they got Brainy. We're doing it, we're literally doing it differently from everybody else. Hey, as a matter of fact, moving forward yeah. from this point on, I will not make reference to PML. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. Alright, so, we're going team by team. I would be very careful about stuff. Am I going to get too
1: Illegal on this? I yeah, like football, like football season all the things that go with it.
0: Welcome in to the PFF NFL podcast, Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson. We're back and we're live on YouTube here for the Wednesday show. There was a Tuesday show yesterday too. Yeah. First
1: of the draft shows with Michael Renner. Yeah. So
0: if you guys are just tuning in, we're just doing more content. It's more at PFF NFL podcast, both on the YouTube channel. If you're listening on audio, you're just going to get more, more Sam in particular, and definitely more of Mike Renner Mm -hmm. and maybe the same amount of me. (laughs) <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll do some we'll do some three-way shows here and there, but that was great yesterday. It was it was a lot of fun getting uh getting Mike back on the show.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um fun draft show, fun draft conversation. Uh let us know if you liked it or not. PF or NFL podcast at pff.com is the email to hit us up with. Um let us know what about that show you liked, what you didn't. You know, it's going to be we're, we're willing to take that wherever people want it to go. So, we'll do what we can to put stuff together, but If there's stuff you specifically like let us know yeah
0: always hashtag let us know all right today's show we're going to do a little monday night football review talks of tom brady what's next for him Uh, a lot of job openings not just the head coaching jobs but several offensive coordinator jobs are now uh, wide open around the league fascinating stories there we're going to do a little ranking of the final playoff quarterbacks the the final eight we got some new listener bets explain the grade and then we're out of here that's it that's the Mm -hmm. rundown so um so let's start monday night football the Dallas Cowboys finished up a super wild card weekend with the win over the Bucks. Wasn't really close for much of the game. The only thing that kind of kept it close was uh, record-setting missed extra points <laughs> that could have made it interesting at the end. But the Cowboys went 31-14. to Really impressive performance by them. Ugly performance, again, by Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks. Cowboys move to the divisional round to take on the 49ers next week.
1: Yeah, we have the two teams that um – you know, we're both in a slump. Tampa Bay's lasting all season and Dallas lasting the last few weeks. And the question was always, were either one of these two teams going to pull themselves together for this game or was it going to be truly miserable? Um, Tampa Bay didn't pull themselves together, which made sense, given that they basically haven't all year long. Byron Leftwich now been fired off the back of that game. Was that official? That was not... Uh, Todd
0: Bowles did not confirm that at all. Oh, really? Well, it was reported so. yesterday. A lot though, of reports, fired. but yeah, not not sure yet.
1: Um, and then Dallas actually did pull themselves together, and that looked a little bit more like the, the Dallas that went on such a good run and put themselves in a really strong position, were challenging for the one seed in the division um, before they cooled off. That's good news, I think, because the theory of where Tampa Bay or what they could do in the playoffs was always based off faith more than evidence. And whereas we've at least seen Dallas play well, you know, and the idea that Dallas could go and give San Francisco a game, I think is a pretty live possibility. The idea that that Tampa Bay team could do anything against San Francisco felt a lot more, uh, unlikely.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, the Cowboys all year, you can't overreact to any Cowboys performance, right? They, they have certain weeks where they look incredible, right? The, the Colts game where they, they put up 33 in the fourth quarter um, force and turnovers left and right. I think the high end that the Cowboys bring to the table is as good as any team in the league. It's just a matter of will they bring it that particular week. The low end, we've seen that as well, right? We've seen them trudge through games against the Texans. We saw them in that week 18 game against the Commanders, which was as bad as it gets, right? And that's why nobody seemed to believe in the Cowboys, right? I think it, it brings you back to that lesson. You can't always react to the last thing you saw. And uh, so let's remind ourselves of that too. As good as the Cowboys looked, I don't know if we want to, you know, weigh this, this performance against the Bucks too much heading into this 49ers game, right? I think, remember when there was always two buys in wildcard week? It was easy to overreact to whatever happened in wildcard week and forget that the top two seeds were really the better teams, right? You'd always right. overreact and say, the team that looked good in wildcard week is going to go beat the one seed or the two seed. And it didn't usually happen. So, do we overreact to this Cowboys game where they looked good all across the board?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think he needs to overreact, but they were a team that had struggled, and Dak Prescott hadn't played well um, for a while. There was, he's had this weird season where he went on a run of being unlucky with interceptions, where he had a bunch that weren't necessarily his fault, and then right at the point where everybody was about to point that out, he had a a game where he'd get consistently throwing the ball uh, to the defense or trying to turn it over, just had a disaster, So for him, I think, to bounce back and actually have a reasonable performance, I think, was important, like, to to show that he can still be this guy and show up against a defense that can cause problems and just have a very, very good um, game with very little wrong with it. You know, maybe he didn't have a ton of massive throws in there, but he didn't need to, right? He was able to put up 300 yards, 9.2 yards per attempt, four touchdowns without having to do anything crazy. So for Dak Prescott to have that kind of game, I think, is pretty important. Um, but it doesn't mean that it's going to necessarily continue. I mean, this is probably the weakest year of his career, or certainly the weakest year for a
0: while. Uh, from a decision-making standpoint, we saw the Cowboys go forward on fourth and three in Bucks territory. Uh, that was that led to uh, a busted coverage touchdown to Dalton Schultz that put them up 18 to nothing. Uh, it was their third touchdown,
1: but um, Brett Maher beat misses four extra points in a row madness I mean okay this isn't you know extra points got moved back right so they're not the sort of automatic chip shots they used to be they're still pretty automatic I mean I haven't you know what the actual percentage is over the season for extra points I haven't checked but it's got to be it's ninety freaking
0: high it's got to be 90 I mean you do see way more misses obviously yeah. than you used to and it feels like it feels, like, it feels like it does get into kickers' heads, right? There like are I know kickers even, who kick 50-yarders yarder, easier than they kick extra points sometimes.
1: Like, even the all-pro candidates, Daniel Carson and Justin Tucker, each one of those guys, I think, has a missed extra point in there. Can't wait to see how they perform in the tug-of-war uh, at the, uh, the um, Pro Bowl. But four was crazy. I mean, so, you know, kicker is a weird position where those guys, uh, I think, can be mentally broken That's how most kickers end up losing a job like they kick fine and then they hit this rut where they miss a couple and all of a sudden they're gone it's like golfers with the yips like they're not the same guy anymore and you don't have time to work them through it the way you do maybe with a golfer like you can get him back on track it doesn't really matter if you have a run where you just can't hit the ball because if you have a run where you can't kick you're screwed like you're done the team can't afford to wait for that to come out the other side so I think it was interesting that they kept putting him out there. I mean, after the second one, Peyton Manning on the Manning cast was losing his mind. He was like, "What?" Are, he was, he's, they, so he missed the second one. He's like, you have got to be kidding me. He's like, what are we even doing? Why are we kicking? Like, can you cut a guy at halftime in a playoff game? Manning is ready to cut this dude at halftime. They sent him out for two more, which he missed, and then sent him out for the fifth one, which he finally made. But you could see... The
0: fifth one makes sense to me because the game's pretty much in hand, and it's like, man, we better get this guy on track. You don't want to bring in a new kicker
1: during I, week. I guess, but, like, what if he misses the fifth one? Well, um, oh, then it's like, then you have to move on. Well, we finally but could four's move. okay? Yeah. Um, but, like, you could see it was getting progressively worse in his own head. Like, the first two, I think, were wide right, and then he tries to, like, all right, the one thing I'm not going to do is hit this wide right and just shanks it off to the left and then finally, misses another one just – but like the look on his face when he's missing that fourth one in particular, like he couldn't believe what was happening. To I mean, him. there's already
0: a strategy that exists that says you should go for two every time anyway. If yeah. you if you if you get fifty percent, it offsets it. If you can get over fifty percent, you're you're winning here. I mean, the Dallas might have to do that next week, right? They scored thirty-one points with five touchdowns. That might be. <laughs> th- does that count as scoregami? That's never happened in NFL history, right? A five-touchdown game where you score only thirty-one points. That's. Uh, it, it was a, it was an impressive performance by the Cowboys, and you know they get up twenty four to nothing. The Bucks finally score. But the crazy thing is
1: Maher played well. I just want to keep finish this thing. Like he had played well this season. He's one of the five kickers with a PFF grade above ninety for um, field goals and extra points. Now he would missed three extra points over the regular season. That being said, he would attempted fifty three of them, so that's quite a lot. Um, but. He had actually had a good season, but now after four missed extra points, like, do you trust him to take a kick against San Francisco in a critical situation? Probably like, what not. if that game comes down to you know but field
0: goals might be easier, right? Like you might only have the yips on easy throws. <laughs> when when people have the yips, right, a lot of times it is um, a pitcher throwing to first base, not pitching but throwing to first base, right, or just a pitcher trying to pitch, but he could, you know. Actually, make the throw to first when it's just reaction. It doesn't always hit. It Doesn't mean you can't hit anything. Like you might line him up for a fifty yarder
1: and he just destroys it. Maybe, but do you want to even take the chance? Like, what if that game is coming down to the final seconds and you're like, do we take a shot with the kicker? Like, do you even let him take a swing here, or do we try and win this thing, like with the ball in Dak Prescott's hands? Yeah, I don't know. It could be. Uh, it could be risky.
0: It was. I mean, if if the Bucks had any semblance of offense, this would have mattered, right? It actually would have mattered right. on, on Monday night. Um, or if the Cowboys didn't let up offensively, right? I mean, the, we've seen the Bucs make these miraculous comebacks throughout the season, and it, you know, it, it took, you know, usually takes a defensive stop here and there, and then, you know, Brady and the offense finally come into life. But the Cowboys hung tough, right? Not even hung tough, but they just didn't let this happen, right? They came back with a big fourth quarter touchdown to C.D. Lamb. They made a, a fourth down stop where, the, you know, the pass rush was getting to Brady. So the Cowboys did a good job other than, you know, they botched in, an onside kick you might be a couple plays away from making it a little risky but um the Cowboys look good man across the board defense looked good pass rush was very impressive offense was basically unstoppable after two rough drives at the beginning and I I just think overall we so many people overreacted to Dak Prescott's interceptions as we've said the last couple weeks And, and you when you only focus on 15 plays during the season you lose sight of this offense has been really good since, about, since Dak has come back. It's been really good and really effective with little blips here and there. And they showed that on Monday night. On the other side, we've got the Tom Brady question. He looked pretty bad in this game. You know, Byron Leftwich took a lot of heat, but in, in, I think Leftwich is taking heat all season because there's just no flow to the offense. They haven't figured out the running game. They don't run enough play action. There's a lot of things to criticize Byron Leftwich, but Tom Brady left so many plays on the table, the first of which was just trying to throw the ball. He said he was trying to throw the ball away in the end zone on that interception. And when you talk about, you know, we have to dissect every throw Brady makes because he's 45. But when you talk about when the age starts to catch up, it's probably some of those off platform throws, right? We've talked about his arm strength being okay. And we've seen him throw 60 yard deep balls, right? But it's the off platform stuff. He had some throws that missed by a mile in this one. And I think that's when you start to bring
1: up some of the concerns about the dude being 45. So
0: that was. It was a rough outing for Brady.
1: Yeah, this, I think, was the first time this year where you watched him play and you're like, maybe he is done. I mean, this was bad, and it wasn't all everybody else's fault, which has been for a lot of the season, um, where Brady's actually been playing okay. Sure, there have been some bad plays in there as well, but generally it felt like a product of everything around him more like it did in 2019. Um, of course, the flip side of that is the last time Brady looked this bad was 2014, and then went on a run and won a Super Bowl and then won a bunch more, right? Like, we've seen Brady play badly before and come back and pull his way out of it. And the only difference is now he's like nine years older. Um, but, like, that I think is the first game that would make you think, I, I don't know. I don't know if he can do it anymore. Uh, or certainly not. I mean, look. Can he go out there and be as good as, like, you know, a random bad quarterback? Sure. Can he go out there and be as good as anybody in the NFL anymore? I don't know. And now you're sort of saying, well, if he now needs a perfect situation, and Aaron Rodgers is kind of talked about this on Pat McAfee's show. He's like, I, you know, I need a great situation around me now. And I'm like, all right, well, that dramatically limits the field because generally speaking, there yeah. aren't great situations just waiting for a quarterback to rock up and say, take us to the promised land usually those things kind of go hand in hand where the situation is bad and they don't have a quarterback um the only one that really leaps to mind i know san francisco is one that makes sense because brady you know bay area guy there's a lot of connections there but like i don't why would the 49ers want brady at this point
0: i mean it honestly depends on what brock purdy looks like in the next few weeks if brock purdy ever goes back to looking like a rookie Right, even in one game, it's like okay. If we had, but even then, like, would Brady you be, maybe it would be better?
1: They've got like three options already in the building. Would you dump all of that for what has to be like a one-year go-around of Tom Brady at forty-six? I wouldn't.
0: I mean, you might want to. You might be dumping Trey Lance anyway. Maybe at this point, if you feel good about. Brock I'm just Purdy. saying,
1: I don't. I don't see the forty-nine. I think they're in too good a position to want to take that kind of gamble.
0: But you can actually, but theoretically, if you think Brady's better than Purdy. You can have both on the roster, right? You got Purdy for three more yeah. years. So you could potentially do that. Um, the PFF NFL podcast is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western and Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow? Well, Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. So I had, to get, I had to talk about our friends at Western Southern. I heard Renner talk about their logo, how much he loved it and everything mm. yesterday. It was great.
1: The, um, the Raiders, I think, also make some sense. Obviously, the Josh McDaniel uh, McDaniels connection, the fact that they have some pieces in place, Devontae Adams, uh, Darren Waller, a lot of the guys were injured this year, et cetera. Um, offensive line would be a concern, but you've got the offseason to work on that. But the one that jumps out to me is just making the most sense is the Jets. Like The Jets, I think, have a champion or yeah they have a playoff cal they should have made the playoffs this year with zach wilson a quarterback for most of the year um with tom brady a quarterback i think they're immediately a legitimate team their offensive line was the one of the biggest problems this year and it was banged up to hell like it it should have been been way better but it should have been way 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 better think of all the guys they are going to get back theoretically that should be a top 10 offensive line
0: here's the 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 couple things to consider with brady and there are there are definitely things you can say but the the lazy analysis is he's 45 he's done right as soon as you see signs of weakness you say he's done but that's where people have gotten burnt in the past right um the the older he gets the less likely it is that he can bounce back from it but every time brady has bounced back it's been um he gets rejuvenated right he gets motivated he is he is the greatest competitor in the history of the nfl right because he's been written off so many times and bounced back right i mean he continues to do that how much did this performance this year have to do with his age how much had to do with everything happening off the field the divorce whatever the fact that he missed training, it, it was so it was so bad that he had to miss time in training camp tom brady doesn't want to miss a rep right did he actually prepare the same way this offseason that he normally does Right? like These are fair questions to ask, right? If what we saw this year from Brady, which was a downtick in performance and a downtick in everything around him, if, if that's what to expect going forward, or was this actually an anomaly? And he truly physically does have two or three more years. The other question I have is, why did he not want to get hit this year? More than ever, mm. right? If you're just watching a football reason, here's a football reason why Tom Brady wasn't as successful this year. He didn't want to get to a second read.
1: Which really showed up in this game.
0: It really showed up, right? So. Brady's the best. You guys were ranking, right, the best decision makers ever and all that stuff, right? Brady's the best at pre-snap, right? You're saying, based off what you show me and then what you do at the beginning of the snap, I know exactly where I'm going with the ball. Well, you combine that with the fact that the scheme itself, left which is scheme, doesn't actually scheme open receivers very well, right? So if Brady's first read doesn't have an open receiver because the scheme doesn't do a great job of that, he was kind of done this year. Very few times would he come off that Either because he just didn't want to get hit for whatever reason, or it was a lack of trust in the offensive line. Right? Yeah. He didn't have Ryan Jensen from day one. Donovan Smith was not the same at left tackle. There was a, a lot of moving parts. So if you're a team, the Jets, the the Niners. Like if you're the Niners, right? Do you actually look at Brady and say, I didn't like this level of performance right here. We can get that from Brock Purdy. Or do you say, Guess what? We'll have the first keep. We'll have the first reads for him. We'll have a better offensive line for him. We'll protect him he's still Tom Brady even if he's 46 he'll be better than Brock Purdy and by the way we could stash Brock Purdy on our roster for the next two years if we want on a rookie contract so I think that's what you have to evaluate with Brady performance was down were the reasons offseason offensive line or he's just he's just old and doesn't want to get hit and, he, and he's in self-preservation and that's going to be with him as long as he continues to play right which those is, are the questions
1: which is the thing like the the problem with that is to a degree, he's probably correct. Like, again, I go back to Brett Favre. The thing that did Brett Favre in was not physical decline in arm strength or athleticism. It was that he stopped being durable. He was ta- he always took hits throughout his career, and when he was in his mid-20s, he would just bounce back, and you couldn't break him. He was made of granite. And then when he hit 40, the hits that Brett Favre was taking, he couldn't recover from week to week. And he now he's just a beat-up old dude who can't, Stay healthy enough long enough to fire the ball where you can still fire it. So, Brady is absolutely correct that at his age, which is like five years older than Favre was, um, he should definitely be trying to be like take care of himself and not take hits when they're avoidable. But at some point, (laughs) much so the NFL and the officiating is trying to change this, you're still, it's still football. You are still going to get hit playing quarterback. And if you're not prepared to do that at all, you're probably not functional. It was also like the Bucs, and we talk about the left leftwich part here, the Bucs had no idea
0: how to protect him, right? Because as much as we diminish the role of the run game here on the PFF NFL podcast, when it's atrociously bad, it still matters. Like the first Bucks run was for minus three, and it's like, well, it's second and 13. Right. The Bucks were as bad as it gets on third and long this year. They were in third and long all the time, right? You need some semblance of a run game And even if you just have a run game because the offensive coordinator is going to be more inclined to run play action, right? The Bucs didn't run play action the other night because they didn't think that they could, Mm. even though that was the only way that they could protect Brady. The only way you could create a big play is to have some sort of deception in your offense. You can't just line up in the gun and just run a million, like, bad passing concepts that don't get open. You can't do that 60 times in a row. So, again, a new team could say, we'll do well by Brady, schematically. We'll do well by him from a play calling standpoint, we might not have actually as good of players, but even then you say, were the Bucks receivers what they were in previous years? Or did they also all kind of age and come off injuries? Like there, it wasn't a great situation there. So it'll be interesting to see how many people covet Tom Brady. I think Ryan Clark tweeted it out, right? It's uh, to me, this is lazy, right? It's like after last night, who would want Tom Brady? Right. And it's like, I get it. I, he wasn't very good in the game but it's lazy to just make that statement and be like, I saw this game, it was bad, who wants him? Like half the league probably does at nah, this point. See, I don't
1: think it is though. I, I, think, I think he's
0: a, not half the league wants him, he's an upgrade for over half the league still at 46 years old, he is. I'm not saying everybody goes out of their way and mm. puts puts aside their team building plans. He is an upgrade for over
1: half the league still. I'm not sure that's true though. Um, I think the, the point though is that the situation he needs around him is now so good that the level that he needs everything to be around him is so high that it dramatically reduces the number of teams where that's even a thing. So Brady is showing this year that in a situation that isn't – and not just like it's not good, it's not terrible. Like this Bucks offensive line was okay this year. There are many, many worse offensive lines than what the Bucks had this season. The receiver group, okay, maybe they didn't play the way we thought they would, but they're not terrible. I mean, they're again, there are a lot worse wide receiver groups than the Bucs had this season. Offense is the one where you can actually the scheme, like the coaching, the play calling, all that kind of stuff. That's the one where you can say, all right, that was pretty bad. But like collectively, that's now like you put Tom Brady in a bunch of different situations that aren't necessarily good, but aren't terrible either, and he's not gonna look good. So I think the Tom Brady version that you can get in a very good situation is an upgrade for still a lot of teams in the NFL but you still have to gamble that that's in there which is not necessarily a given like this yeah, the I problem mean, every with this year that is
0: he's older obviously there's there's more of a gamble added to it yeah
1: right it's more of a gamble and it's less of a sure thing and it's less of a long-term thing so i think every every one of these elements just shrinks down the number of teams that are even in the conversation and i think you're probably talking about like 3 at this point
0: yeah, I'm just saying, like, it's easy to overreact to that, but this year, Brady had a better grade than Dak Prescott, right? We're talking about Dak's making his, gonna make a Super Bowl run right here, right? We're going back and forth on what Dak I mean, he had a, a better grade than Dak. Would I take Brady over Dak for the Cowboys? No, because Dak's younger and he's good, right? And we know what, what he is. But it's not like Brady had a disastrous season from a throw for throw, from a throw for throw standpoint, right? Even though the offense was was bad overall. Um, and, that, and that vibe is similar coming out of 2019 with New England, right? Where we said the grade's not as bad as the output, but you put them in a better situation, and the next year they win a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. So, yeah, it's going to be uh, a fun offseason. The other option is Brady could just retire. Nobody, yeah. nobody thought he was going to retire last year. He said, when I suck, I'm done. I think he could honestly look at his performance and say, Yeah, I'm not performing at the same level as I was, but you could also convince himself, like, man, if he just put me in a better situation, I'll be I'll be okay. I don't know which way that goes.
1: That's the thing. Like how hard is it? I mean we've seen it. It's terrible it's incredibly hard for these people that are psychotic effectively and built differently to everybody else. Like they don't have rational viewpoints of the entire world. Like Michael Jordan And every possible thing that ever happened i took that personally right like no normal person takes that kind of crap personally you are demented to think that way and yet that's why you're michael jordan and that's why the rest of us are not right so for tom brady to be the kind of lunatic that he is is what made him into being tom brady but it's also exactly why he can't possibly have like a rational viewpoint of his own playing ability right now he's not going to look in the mirror at 46 you know, drinking the avocado water or whatever and go, nah, yeah, you're right, I'm done. This is it. Like, you could, of course you're going to look at it and say, like that idiot calling plays from the sideline or this offensive line fell apart and my wide receivers all got old and crappy. This isn't me. I can still go out there and do it. I've seen. Look at the throw I made, right? I can still do it. Yeah. It's somebody else's fault. It's like it's, you know, fighters are the same way. Like you can't ever – those guys almost never – Understand the exact time you're starting to go, and now's the time to get out. They always take one too many fights.
0: This is why you don't overreact. I know this was the playoffs, and it means more, and all that stuff, right? But if you're trying to assess a player, you don't overreact to one performance because literally two weeks ago, Brady had one of the best performances of his entire career, of his 20 plus year career, as far as deep passing and pinpoint precision and decision making, everything. Two weeks ago, you could say it was against the Panthers, whatever. Just two weeks ago, throwing the ball. One of the best games of his entire career at 45 years old, that's true. The other night, one of the worst games of his career, right? So, you can't overreact to one performance. Or You could also say, hey, he used to not have these duds the way he did mm. on Monday night. Therefore, maybe it is. Yeah, close the, to the, the end. The
1: problem with it is because of his age. You're always looking for signs. Like yeah. you, you want to, you don't want to be, you don't want to be the team that's there one year too late, right? So. Every time when a guy is at this kind of age, which obviously is pretty unprecedented, you're looking for, well, is this the sign that says he's done and you don't want to make that investment? Because if you get him and he's on the way down, like you don't want to get the 2015 Peyton Manning year, having just seen the 2014 one where there's some signs in there and you kind of saw it coming, and then you jump in with like, great, we got Peyton Manning. Oh, we got this version of Peyton Manning. That's not good. like That's the, that's the last thing any team wants. So... Like, imagine if you're the Jets, right? The Jets, the sort of perennial laughing stock kind of organization for years. And they go, I mean, we, the Brett Favre thing all over again. You go, we got Brett Favre fixed. We finally got a, a, a Hall of Fame quarterback. And he just looks like crap playing for you. Like, if you've got Tom Brady in, we've got a, a playoff caliber roster. We bring in Tom Brady. Everyone's go, like, we're going we're gonna to overturn the Bills and the Patriots. We're going to be the team in this division. And then you get the last, you get the Marino year. You know, ninety-nine or whatever it was, the final merino year. Sixty two to seven Jags, baby. Right. Where he just looked awful. Like if you if you did that as the Jets, you do take you a decade to live that down. That's why the Niners might
0: be able to do it more than anyone else. They could they could have Brock Purdy as the backup next year. So we're gonna try to hit like they might win the Super Bowl with Purdy. Who knows? <laughs> right. All I'm saying is they might look at Brady and say, he'll be the guy that puts us over the top if they don't do it this year. We've got Purdy as a fallback. We'll move on from Trey Lance, or something to that effect, right? The Niners might be able to do it. Where the Jets would say, "We're going all in with Tom Brady. If we don't, you know, we're whoever the backup is, you know, we're screwed again." Mike White. The NFL play act, playoff action continues. That's right. We're one step closer to Super Bowl Fifty Seven. And for the divisional round, check out DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just five dollars and get two hundred in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot in an even bigger payout with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. I'm seeing people win these left and right, especially if you follow some of our friends over at PFF.com. Uh, boost your NFL winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code PFF. New customers can bet $5 on any NFL divisional round and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code PFF. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, let's talk a little NFL job openings here, Sam. Um, not only are there several head coach jobs still available, sounds like John Harbaugh's going back to school, a lot of head coaching jobs, but also a lot of offensive coordinator jobs that are open right now. Chargers, Titans, Patriots, Jets, Rams, Commanders, maybe the Bucs if some of the rumors are true about Byron Leftwich. Look at it. Like these are, not only are they jobs, but there's a very attractive one at the top, the Los Angeles Chargers, right A lot of people want that one because I like, sure I want to work with Justin Herbert right um, But the Patriots with, uh, with Mac Jones there, the Jets who you just said there's a pretty good situation there they got to figure out
1: they're now interviewing Nathaniel Hackett for that job. Are they Yeah yeah well they got you know, they'll figure out quarterback. It's just the Jets like does not, does anything in the world scream, like bad process more than look somebody had to get fired because we didn't do what we needed to do so now we're going to downgrade from uh michael to nathaniel hackett like
0: is that a downgrade though hackett's yes he's been an okay offensive coordinator right with aaron Rodgers, He's has better yeah. with rogers uh-huh. uh michael LaFleur, lafleur the rumors are he'd be going to the rams though that rumor is already out sense. there that uh sean mcveigh wants to bring in Mike lafleur um, there's rumors about our old friend Zach Robinson potentially uh, getting a look from the Chargers a little going across town, um, which would be awesome. right? We'll see what, see what ends up coming out there. But the Chargers one, I, I know there's head coaching jobs to discuss, but the offensive coordinator thing is fascinating because this is what the league is wanting, right? They want the next young mind, and those are the guys that were getting all the head coaching opportunities for a while, and there's a lot of coordinator jobs mm-hmm. out there right
1: now. Ben Johnson, the Lions offensive coordinator, who I've been talking up a lot this season, has removed himself from uh, job discussions, head coaching job discussions. Like he's obviously not gonna jump from one offensive coordinator position to another, but he's basically told whatever remaining teams are there that he's not interested in a head coaching gig. He's gonna go back to the Lions, which I think is pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's he's pretty young too. And I think it's such, a, it's such an interesting world, right? Because there are people, there are there are people who interviewed for say gm jobs three or four years ago who don't get interviewed anymore right right and it was either because they didn't interview well or they weren't the right fit or they're actually not good enough to be a gm or something to that effect or they just kind of like lost a little bit of momentum right this is where momentum actually matters momentum might not happen in a game but it actually matters i think in the job market right so if you're a team that was hot four years ago, I mean, look at Byron Leftwich a year ago at this time. Yes, He was essentially handed the Jaguars head coaching job, but he wanted, he didn't want uh, Trent Baalke there. So Byron Leftwich goes from hot head coaching candidate because mm-hmm. his offense was incredible in 2020. They win a Super Bowl, 21's the best offense in the league. Byron Leftwich, head coaching candidate to potentially fired as offensive coordinator just a year later.
1: Yeah, um, I think there's a lot to be said for, look, everybody would love... The, the right opportunity to come along, but you might not get the right one, and you may be better off taking an opportunity versus letting the opportunity disappear in the first place. Like, there's no guarantee that even if you get better, that the situation around you doesn't deteriorate, and you carry the can for that. Like, we have just talking about the fact that these job decisions are often made not on merit. You know, you did a bad job, you're being fired. It's like, no, something happened bad. And somebody's getting canned and you are low enough down the totem pole that you're the guy like you're a scapegoat you're getting dumped because the head coach isn't getting dumped and the gm sure as hell isn't getting dumped so it's you see ya um like that can happen because one random player on your team gets injured you know and there's just nothing you could have done about it or whatever like a bunch of other circumstances go come together and your offense deteriorates or your defense deteriorates and you just take the blame for it so if you're one of these hot offensive or defensive coordinator candidates I would not I mean yeah again you'd love the perfect situation but generally the perfect situation isn't there and you have to take one of the less perfect ones and I think you're probably better off taking it trying to make the most of it than you are passing it up waiting for the right opportunity and never getting a never getting a shot again if
0: you're young like a Ben Johnson though I mean part of it is just interviewing experience theoretically you'll hopefully have opportunities two and three years down the road, maybe next year, whatever it might be. And part of it is maybe just getting that experience, right? It it is pretty important to get out there and understand the process and being a part of it and preparing for it. Um, Some of these guys, D'Amico Ryans, Dan Quinn, they've got four and five interviews lined up in the middle of trying to game plan right now. This is a new rule over the last couple of years. You used to have to wait for coaches to have their season end. Now you can talk to coaches in the middle of the season. I get both sides of it, right? You don't want a coach, who goes, you know, far into the playoffs to get screwed in the process? At the same time,
1: how do coaches prepare? There's no way. I mean, Demico Ryan's I think had four or five head coaching interviews this week. Um, there's just no way that that doesn't impact game preparation. I understand there's people that help him with the, you know, the preparation packets of these interviews and things. Like he's not just going in there doing it all himself. Right. Um, but even so, like at some point you have to look at the information in the packet. You also have to hope that information doesn't suck, otherwise you're not going to come off particularly well. You have to actually take the time to look at the tape and be able to talk about whoever it is they're going to want to talk. Like, you need to know these things. So there's no possible way that he can be dedicating the same amount of time to the upcoming opponent that somebody who doesn't have that on his plate has. In an
0: NFL team, when you're interviewing, of course it's extensive, but you want to hear – D'Amico ryan say you want to hear his philosophy what he's going to do specifically for your team how are you going to use these guys how are you going to do this how are you going to do how are you going to handle these situations i don't know if you could do the interview less specific just talk culture just talk vision and all that stuff and not be as specific to the team because a guy like D'Amico ryan's is still in the playoffs but then how do you compare the, the interview with him versus somebody who that's all they're doing right it's their offseason. Right. Right, And they come in and and they're fully prepared to talk everything about your team because they have the time to do that right now.
1: I mean, when, you know, I I think this is a fair thing to put out there, but when, when Zach Robinson was talking to the Rams about that job, he went and watched every throw that Jared Goff had the previous season twice, right? And had a giant binder about what they did week to week and how they changed things up and how they, you know, that took an insane amount of time, even with you know, PFF's video system and the ability to do that in a much more streamlined fashion than other people do. Like, if that's what you're, if that's the sort of standard, right? This is what you're expected to be able to do for any team you're talking to in an interview. If you have five of those, there's no way. Again, there's just simply no way you can do that and also put the same amount of time into the, this week's game plan, A, that you did the week before, or B, that your opponent is probably doing. Like, I Again, I don't know what the solution is because I think you're right. It's hard to ask these teams to hold off for potentially another month uh, for these candidates that are in the playoffs. Like, that's a really tough thing to do because everybody else's offseason has been going for a while now. Like, they're working on free agents. They're working on the draft. They, are, they need to know what they're doing, right? Like, you, you need to know what the offense is we're running next year. Yeah. Like, these are important pieces of information. And if you're like, no, we've got to sit there for another month just so we can talk to this guy who we may not even end up hiring, it's tough
0: Tyler. Can we throw those head coaching job opportunities out there really quick? I want to like best let's talk best. You're quick. That's awesome. Best head coaching op- uh, openings and then best offensive coordinator and why it's the chargers, which of these jobs, Cardinals, Panthers, Broncos, Texans, and Colts. What's the best job here?
1: I think the Broncos are still the best job for a couple of reasons. Um, but it obviously comes with the massive caveat that as the prospective new coach, you need to be 100% sure, A, that you can fix Russell Wilson, and B, how you're going to do it. So, you know, Sean Payton was talking about this on Cowherd, and he was kind of vague about how he'd do it. Like, I, if I'm hiring for Denver, if I'm in the interview, I need a lot more specifics than that. Like, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to look at the things he did well, and then I'm going to ask him what else he likes, and then we're just going to do that. Yeah, I'm going to need more than that, Mr. Payton. As, as much as great as your resume is, And we need a little bit more specifics about how you plan to fix Russell Wilson. But if you're convinced that that can happen, A, they actually have the quarterback, right? Wilson. We've seen, you know, there was a game this year where he looked good. Previously, we've seen him. He's been one of the best quarterbacks of the last decade. So theoretically, there's a lot to like there at the most important position in the game. The receivers are good. The defense was amazing this year. There's a lot there. Then on a personal level, they're owned by the richest team, the richest owners in the NFL by an order of magnitude more than anybody else, Like, which has multiple benefits. One, they can pay you whatever it takes, right? If your salary is now $20 million a year, it's not going to be anything to them. B, potentially you can get money out of them to invest in all those cheat code areas where there's no salary cap restricting you. Maybe they can build you an all-star coaching, supporting cast. Maybe they can invest in a bunch of other areas that will gain an edge over everybody else like you know there were reports out there that there's various ways teams are incredibly cheap throughout the NFL if you don't have an owner that cares about that if your owner is happy to spend money you can it's, it's a better place to work it's a better place for, t- for players to want to come to it's enables you to bring in coaches that other teams don't have a shot at
0: so I, I agree with you that the Broncos are the best coaching job as far as upside goes and I think that's what where that's what you're referring to mostly there like who could have the most success there it also could be the place where you get fired the quickest because if you can't figure out Russell Wilson it's like all right we're gonna find the next guy (laughs) because we're still stuck. like Russell Wilson stays someone else has to go that's what happened this year right on the other hand stays you have to go
1: you then get to run the uh (laughs) the Cliff Kings replay then you're off to Thailand you're a year in to your giant five-year, 100-and-whatever-million-dollar contract, then, yeah, you get to spend the next year on a beach. Yeah, I don't know when I'm coming back. Hmm. I'll let you know. I got a one-way Maybe ticket.
0: Take a one-way ticket to Cincinnati. Just hang out. Just hang out with the kids. So I agree on the Broncos. I think the Arizona Cardinals job is the most interesting because, to me, I think you're looking at, like, who's got the most patience. And the Cardinals, it, it looks like a full rebuild with Kyler Murray. You know, it's a full rebuild with you just signed Kyler Murray to a long uh, contract and you might not even have him for next year. That might be the job that's interesting because you can start over, right? Other than quarterback, but, you ha- but that's, that, that's a good thing, right? The other teams have to look for a quarterback or they have to rejuvenate Russell Wilson. I'd be intrigued by getting the Cardinals back on track almost from scratch and, and being able to maybe have some patience as well just because Kyler's going to miss some time next year. As far as the offensive coordinator jobs, we've got to talk Chargers here. Joe Lombardi gets fired, and you get to have year four of Justin Herbert. That's what you're stepping into. So on one hand, expectations are going to be high. How do you get the most out of this guy? On the other hand, it's like, all right, let's go get this guy to have an average depth of target over eight. Let's just throw the ball down the field. Let's get Justin Herbert to not play the game like Alex Smith. That seems to be certainly the most intriguing offensive coordinator job out there
1: oh I think this is by far the best I mean again if you're offensive coordinator your your starting point should be who has a quarterback do I have a quarterback what am I working with there Justin Herbert okay Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill that's not terrible um the Rams obviously with uh Matthew Stafford the problem there being I mean are you really doing things or is that Sean McVay's running the offense and you're just the guy saying yes sir um like you being tasked with unlocking the full potential of Justin Herbert is by far the most attractive gig there
0: though so the Patriots offensive coordinator job is interesting because they have literally never changed their scheme in over 20 years right since Belichick showed up in the year 2000 same terminology and everything um, I can't I can't say what it, they're using the same a lot of stuff okay hand signals same, a, lot of, a
1: lot of stuff yes
0: not only terminology but I know people who knew the hand signals 10, 15 years ago and it's like, man, when I watch them I see the same hand signals that we like it's the same everything, which is fascinating, right So but they're interviewing uh, Jaguar great Keenan McCardle mm. for, for the job like they are the Patriots, Viking's wide receiver coach. Vikings wide receiver coach. Bill O'Brien is the most obvious candidate yeah and they would also they wouldn't change the offense right He ran the offense over 10 years ago and it was he was the offensive coordinator for Brady for a couple of years and all that stuff. So they could just go down that path but it'll be interesting to see if Bill Belichick
1: completely changes things. They also, there's also no guarantee by the way that McCardell would run the sort of west coast offense that he's been coaching in. I mean, he's been the wide receivers coach. Like, oh right. Doesn't I mean, mean it, like just cuz he's been would, doing it in these these different systems. It would be
0: but the, it, not only are they running the same system, but they've never hired from outside the organization, right. right? They brought Josh McDaniels back in to basically run the same system after he left for a couple of years, right? So they they just haven't done that yet. Will they actually think outside the box? They're also, for whatever it's worth, the random randomly the betting favorite to get Lamar Jackson if Lamar Jackson changes teams, hmm. right? Is it a time in Bill Bel- Bill Belichick's career where it's like, do I really want to go in with year 3 of Mac Jones? Like even if he hit, like even if he's good. It's like what can we do with Mac Jones, right? Let's try to hit a home run late in career here and uh, maybe you go get a Lamar Jackson and you really have to change your entire offense. I mean, it, it could be really interesting in, in New England this off season as well.
1: Yeah. So plus, you know, you can't be worse than what they had last year.
0: Yeah. That's uh, it's all perspective there, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's something to be said for that coming in. You don't want to be the guy that follows the really good guy. You want to be the guy that follows the guy that follows the really good guy. It's true. You come in after the letdown.
0: All right, I want to tell you about the easiest and most fun way to spice up the playoff football season. It's Underdog Fantasy and their pick 'em games. All you do, you look for your favorite or least favorite player's stats and pick whether they'll end up with higher or lower totals than the number in this week's game. And you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy to use website and mobile apps. You pick between two and five players for your pick 'em entry, get all your picks right, and you'll take home some cold, hard cash. It's simple to get started. Just head to UnderdogFantasy.com or download the app. Sign up with promo code PFF, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to one hundred dollars. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code PFF. Get in on the action today. What do we have next on our list here, Sam? I lost track.
1: Um, we have a couple of uh, listener bets, but we're going to, I think, do ranking the, play- the playoff quarterbacks first.
0: All right, let's rank the uh, let's rank the NFL remaining quarterbacks eight eight
1: quarterbacks left all eight of them by the way Eli Manning said today were counselors at the Manning passing academy really Mm -hmm. good for look at the man the Manning coaching tree is uh is strong Mannings by the way fascinatingly as well a lot of people I think like and watch the Manning cast but they only do like 11 games or something in the season so obviously the next question is well let's make it all the games what's what's this 11 stuff they're like
0: no I wouldn't I would only work the eleven days a year.
1: Yeah, but they're like no, and they kind of obviously they dressed it up like well, you you want to leave them wanting more. You don't wanna, yeah. you don't want to try and push it too far. There's
0: definitely something to that. It's first off tough to do. It's I mean, tough to be that entertaining. <laughs> Like, you kind of, you run out of material. There
1: might be something to it, but I think a lot bigger part of it is Peyton and Eli going, I don't want to do this for 17 weeks when I can do it for 11. Yeah,
0: because they're probably getting paid really well to do 11 and not that much more to do. Yeah,
1: I mean, those guys have control over everything they're doing. They can do whatever the hell they like. Like, we should just, what if we just want to do one podcast a week? We were going the other way. We're
0: like, man, we got to do, let's Mm -hmm. do five. We should be saying we're going to do one a week, thirty I minutes. I don't think we have Keep the same. More.
1: I don't think we have the same kind of leverage
0: that the Mannings do. We don't have the uh, Manning cachet. All right, let's rank the remaining quarterbacks. You want to give uh, your list first, and I'll give mine, and then we can uh, fight it out.
1: Okay. Uh, starting off with Patrick Mahomes, MVP, Stevenson Award winner this year, uh, best quarterback in the NFL. Joe Burrow, number two. Uh, Josh Allen, number three. Jalen Hurts, number four. Trevor Lawrence, number five. Dak Prescott, number six. Wow. Danny Dimes, number seven. And Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy, number eight.
0: I think your list almost directly correlates with PFF grades this year. It's close.
1: Maybe with more. No, there's a couple. I think they're different. It's pretty close. I think Burrow finished number one, didn't he?
0: Yeah, but it was like flipping a coin between Mahomes, Burrow, and Allen with their grading. And then if you look at war, it's Mahomes. So, yeah. I mean, this all, I, I have Mahomes one as well. I mean, I think the, the real debate spots, right, is like the top three. Burrow and Allen at two and three. I don't know. I, I think most people would take Mahomes first. But we said last year at this time, like Mahomes wasn't as good as Allen last year or Burrow.
1: Mine, by the way, is specifically like now. Just not, right now. Not generally or going forward or whatever. It's like Just the for games the are happening this weekend. These are the quarterbacks I think are in best order.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, so I'm. Because,
1: I mean, for example, I think Josh Allen might be a better player than Joe Burrow, but right now the guy has like. is a little bit scattershot, you know? And I'm not. I'm losing a little bit of faith in that.
0: He is. Um, so I'll give you my list. I, I also went with Mahomes, number one. I think you trust him the most right now, the way he's playing, the way he's facilitating that offense. I did go Josh Allen number two, but I think I, I, you know me, Sam. I'm like a, I'm the upside guy, right? Even mm-hmm. though Josh Allen might make more mistakes than Mahomes and, and Burrow on a weekly basis, seven big time throws last week. Like he's going to go win playoff games for you. Okay. All these guys could win playoff games, but Allen really can, especially with the rushing ability and everything he brings to the table. Okay. So I went Allen at two and Burrow at three.
1: That's fine. You said you're the upside guy, but that. Then you, then you then put Dak next. Then I put
0: Dak over Trevor Lawrence. And
1: yes. Jalen Hurts.
0: And Jalen Hurts, yeah. Yeah. So then I started leaning more on longer-term performance.
1: <laughs> so you're the I upside guess. guy through three players.
0: I, I, may have, I may have overreacted to Jalen Hurts coming back off injury in week 18. Yeah. No, I think – so Dak's track record of multiple years of playing well, I'm going with that over
1: Jalen Hurts having one good year. And the greatest quarterback prospect to come along in a generation. Yeah, but I've also seen Trevor Lawrence the last two weeks. He hasn't been great.
0: He hasn't been great overall. Huh. It's not like Josh Allen. Like Josh Allen's played better than Trevor Lawrence with all the high upside plays despite some of the mistakes Allen has made. So, yeah, Dak, four. Trevor Lawrence, five. Jalen Hurts, six. The great Daniel Jones, seven. The great and Brock Purdy eight, so to me there's a little bit of I wonder track record here where I went with Dak at four, and then figured out Lawrence and Hurts at five and six. Maybe Hurts should be five and Lawrence should be six.
1: I wonder the people that that the full Brock Purdy stands. You know the guys that are comparing him to Tom Brady and Joe Montana and all this kind of stuff. Like how high would they put him up that list? Just
0: Purdy, or do you say Daniel Jones? Daniel? No,
1: Purdy. Like even the truly, the truly demented Brock Purdy stands. The guys that are like pushing the full craziness of this. Like how high would even they rank it? The, rank him?
0: I don't know. I don't know who you put him above. You, like would they put him above Trevor Lawrence? Because that's like, the, thing. the Stats like, are way. I better. can see would you put him above Dak because he doesn't have 15 interceptions.
1: The obvious one would be you jump Daniel Jones, right? But how much? How many of those other guys could you even plausibly put him ahead of? Yeah, not many.
0: I don't know, man. I mean, I think some of the daniel jones hype i'm seeing is out of this world as well yeah and i'm all we try to do is bring perspective as i said earlier in the show the the overreaction to wildcard weekend historically is, is <laughs> it's just legendary right the funny
1: thing is right because again people like always treat pff like a monolith there's one opinion from pff and that's it everyone gets tired
0: we just had different opinions
1: i know um so people were i, I had some people on twitter complaining that ah, you just never come off your Daniel Jones take. It's like, I've had about three different Daniel Jones takes in the last four years. Like, didn't like him as a prospect, was actually reasonably pleasantly surprised by him year one. You liked
0: him after year two. Right, was talking
1: him up after year two, and then he kind of stank. So I've been all over the place in Daniel Jones. And then this year, I'm kind of pushing back saying, you know, he hasn't actually been as good as a lot of the the hype surrounding him. So the last thing I think I can be accused of is sticking to one rigid Daniel Jones take since I first saw him play.
0: I will say, if, if I have a weakness, I don't even know if this is a weakness. I think, I think other people might view this too. I think it's easy to underrate the rushing, ass, the rushing contribution of quarterbacks.
1: If I have a weakness.
0: Just one. If mm. I only have one.
1: And even that one, you're walking back mid-sentence. I don't make mistakes. Yeah. If I have a weakness, which obviously I don't. Carry on. Which I don't. Mm.
0: But if I did have one, yeah. maybe, just maybe I underrate rushing performance but here's why I walked it back because I'm like how many times (laughs) on the show am i like ah you know I like this rushing quarterback who raises the floor of the offense but when you go and you're like ranking the quarterbacks and what they're bringing to the table maybe I'm underrating Jalen Hurts and Daniel Jones because of how much their offense relies on their legs and it's really really valuable right when the when the quarterback runs not only is it probably a good idea because you're doing you're doing you're usually running when the offense gives it to you if you're a running quarterback right you're usually running when the scramble is open or when you read the defense and have the numbers advantage as a runner. That's part of the reason why QB rushing is valuable from an EPA standpoint because you're choosing the right place essentially to run. And then when you do that, 8, 10, 12 times a game, you are adding hidden value. So maybe we're underrating Daniel Jones and Jalen Hurts and their contributions to their particular offenses with their legs, which by the way Dak did a great job of the other night. He's always been capable. And he showed that the other night, had a rushing touchdown, a couple key scrambles.
1: Mm -hmm. You're right. You have no flaws.
0: There we go. We talked myself down Mm. from having any flaws. But um, the thing I was trying to say is, like, Daniel Jones played well against the Vikings. And as I I tweeted it out a couple weeks ago, like four or five quarterbacks have had their very best game of their season against the Vikings. Oh, yeah. Which doesn't sound like a lot, but you play 16 games. And if your very best game is against – the viking like five four or five quarterbacks doing that that's a huge number
1: well not just that but if you look at pff grades his three best games two of them are against the vikings one of them is against the bears whose defense stinks one of them is against the colts late in the season whose defense stinks like all of his best games came against very very bad defenses with the one exception of the week 14 philadelphia game
0: yeah and so again perspective too it's good to play well. Like, you're, you, sh- it's good to play good football against bad teams or whatever. That's he, valuable stuff. Yes. But you, th- then you have to pump the brakes when you're like, Daniel Jones is the greatest. He's basically Patrick Mahomes.
1: Also, like, at some point, I mean, this is the exact antithesis of what PFF does, right? Like, you look for context. You look at efficiency. You look at how a guy is playing in his environment. But at some point, the actual volume of what you're doing as a quarterback is kind of relevant. Yeah. And Daniel Jones has less touchdowns in the last three years than two or three quarterbacks had this season. Like, at some point, the fact that he's averaging, like, 12 touchdowns a year is kind of a problem. I mean,
0: the people that are saying, like, oh, he's – I, I see, I've seen the comparisons. I know it's Giants fans. But I've seen comparisons to both Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen this week.
1: He has 15 big-time throws in the last two seasons combined. Josh Allen had seven at the weekend. Yeah, I was going to use something similar.
0: Just 20-plus yard throws. Jones has – Ten for the year. Right. Allen had five on Sunday. And again,
1: look, he doesn't have Stephon Diggs. There is context to sure. that. But at some point, the context, only, it only bridges so much of that chasm. You know what I mean? You where, don't get all the way there just because I'm, of that. Sorry. I interrupted.
0: Where I'm most intrigued with Daniel Jones is the fact that the supporting cast on paper does look terrible. Yes. And he has still performed well, led his team as far as he has. And four years into Daniel Jones' career, we don't have a season where you could say offensive line was good enough, pass protection-wise, and receivers were even above average. We haven't even gotten to that point. Never mind elite, right? That's the thing that might fascinate me the most about Daniel Jones. Because even like a Jalen Hurts, you could say, okay, he took this big step forward, but now he's got, he's got Devontae Smith, he's got A.J. Brown, he's got Dallas Goddard, and the best offensive line in the league. Like, Daniel Jones hasn't even had one of those things in four years with the Giants. And I think that's most intriguing about Daniel Jones going forward. I think what's scary is the fact that they just want a playoff game, and everybody's like, well, that's it. Daniel Jones earned himself a contract. Right? Again, there's got to be something in between those two extremes. Yeah. Daniel Jones impressive and quick. Give him $40 million because they want a game.
1: Right. I mean, I, I don't think there's any way in the world they should be trying to extend him to a monster new contract i think now look they didn't they didn't pick up his fifth year option right so they're kind of they're in less of a good position than they would have been had they done that but this is franchise tag territory this is not what's the maximum amount of money we can hand daniel jones right now
0: all right we need um hashtag let us know everyone in the chat rank your quarterbacks rank your eight quarterbacks let us know in the youtube chat we both have Mahomes number one. Are we crazy? I went Allen over Burrow. Is that crazy? I, I'm, I'm I'm happy with any of them. But yeah, go ahead and rank the quarter. Give us your rankings in the chat. On your way to hitting that uh the thumbs up button.
1: Also, need by the way, um, we are still pushing our charity drive. The uh, where are we at? Fifteen hundred and ninety-five dollars of our two thousand goal um, for rugby skills. Eight. 8.0 is our uh, charity drive. We've had a couple of donations come in the last couple of days. Uh, we haven't we've been quiet on this for a little while. So keep donating to us once we hit our goal. We're going to get a going to get a little video going of rugby skills and then get Steve to replicate it, which can only go well.
0: Well, I've been losing some weight. Might make me uh, a little more nimble here. Perfect. Might not, but it could.
1: I mean, maybe some of these skills require
0: body mass. Oh, great who knows how many other people are gonna be involved here is this all solo or do it like you're gonna like drop me into like the local like club rig- rugby team or something
1: i i would say probably solo though i do think it would be pretty hilarious to just pack you in the middle of a scrum and see how it went i'll do what i gotta do yeah i'm ready i'm ready i don't know if that's the kind of thing that requires like a little bit of training otherwise you risk like a severed spine or whatever but who knows All right. We have some listener bets here. Yeah. We want to discuss. Got a few new ones. We obviously had the ones running through the season. We've asked for people to send in anything new that they got. A couple of uh, new ones that I found interesting. First one by Cole Rainey. Uh, My postseason bet is that Brock Purdy will have the highest postseason PFF overall grade out of all the quarterbacks. Um, He said he just listened to the Wednesday podcast, so last week. So hopefully this hasn't been taken. (laughs) Trust me. It hasn't nobody else has said yes. No one else has done this yet. Yeah. So this is, this is our guy. This is our drinking the Kool-Aid dude. Who's like Purdy is going to have the best PFF overall grade of any quarterback in the postseason.
0: It's an interesting one. Cause Purdy hasn't, I mean, here's the, here's the positive spin on Purdy. He's putting up these great numbers and he hasn't had that elite PFF. He hasn't even had like an 80 PFF right. grade yet. You could say as a rookie seven, eight games into his career, He's been fine, but, you know, he'll get better. Like, he could actually get better. This is doable.
1: I mean, the big question for me would be, is the offense so easy and so locked on easy mode that he can't even hit that level? No, he could. You You just don't miss the throw. But here's the thing. So NGS had a stat last week that I think it was a third. I think it was a full third of his past attempts had a receiver separation of five or more yards. Five yards of separation. That's insane. Like, when you're playing with that level of easy mode put on, it's actually pretty hard to get the kind of number of positive grades you need in order to be the best graded quarterback over an entire playoff run. Wow.
0: Yeah. So... Purdy to be. So the other bets we have is uh, one person bet on the Giants to make the NFC championship. They're one game away. Yeah. Another person bet on the Giants to make the Super Bowl. Two games away. Purdy to be the highest graded quarterback. What else do we have here?
1: Uh, and then the second one we got in, this one's from Derek Smith. Um, he bets that so this is interesting. He bets that Bryce Young will be the number one pick in the 2023 NFL draft. And you're like, yeah, to the Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, I like that. Right. Bryce
0: Young to the Raiders. We're all talking about the Colts. Because you're like, yeah,
1: I I bet that the the presumptive number one pick will be the number one pick. I mean, that's not really the kind of bet we're shooting for. But here. to the but Raiders. to the Raiders who currently draft number seven overall.
0: I think I'm most interested in the draft bets this off this this off season.
1: Well, obviously they last night because a
0: lot we get so much we take so much flack for every time you put a mock draft and and people are. Way more confident in what their team is going to do for some reason. We'll never draft this. We'll never. The Jets will never draft a cornerback at four. Yes, they, they will never do it. They'll just never do it. They're going to draft an edge. They believe in the trenches. I know Robert Sala. You haven't even listened to the press conferences. Robert Sala is going to draft an edge defender at four overall for the Jets this year. With the, the number four pick, the draft. The New York Jets select. Yeah. Cornerback Sauce Gardner.
1: The draft does prompt an amazing amount of declarative statements this will never happen this will absolutely happen 100 percent
0: and we're going to open up the spreadsheet for all of your declarative statements
1: yes like we just we, uh, every year you go through an entire season where like the most crazy stuff in the world happens that nobody thought was ever possibly going to happen and then we forget all of that and you're like this will never happen never in a million years will this team do this thing and then it happens So, So, yes, NFL podcast at pff.com for more bets. We are accepting both of those. I will add them to the spreadsheet, which you guys also have access to. Did you have any others? No, those are our two.
0: Are we on to explain the grade? Mm -hmm. All right, let's explain the grade. Um, I'm sure PFF will have me a low grade for that, but uh, I'll keep it rolling. Sam, this week's explain the grade. Jaguars left tackle Walker
1: Little. Walker Little. and This um, so one was a popular one. Well, uh, it's,
0: our, it's our fault. We did it. We tweeted it out. I didn't. Well, I'm not going to. It's not my fault. Listen, our social media, they're all here. They're all listening. They're watching us. I'm just saying it's not, my, not my fault. I'm not going to call people out. And, you know, I'm just saying we PFF. It's Gordon's fault. This is where we. Is it, it's Gordon. <laughs> it's Gordon's fault because there was a tweet that said Walker Little, zero pressures, 60 in, in, in the last game. And we'd probably put a lock sign next to it or something. Probably,
1: yeah, yeah. So we had we had a, a few emails in, I think, and a few we, people is there tweeting a us. Turnstile emoji. <laughs> so we should be like eleven pressures allowed.
0: Turnstile emoji. Yeah, Can we do that
1: for yeah, somebody? Who do you have to talk to to get like an emoji added to the landscape? Like, there's got to be Elon. this. Surely has to be a thing like an updating, a living, you know, repository of. You can Emotions. make your own in Slack, which is good. I got my own.
0: Right, yeah, so I got Slack. My own but like,
1: but how? Who adds them to the, like the Twitter world? Or you Musk? You the, think you just phones DM,
0: and stuff? DM Elon. I think he will get that. Just message Elon. He'll get that through. He's throw it on busy. the. Throw it on the to do list. Anyway,
1: we had a bunch of messages. We had an email f- through from Sam Romero. Um, Walk a little. Jags left tackle stepping in because Cam Robinson is still injured. Zero pressures on. however many it was? Fifty something pass blocking snaps, but he had a. 59.5 pff grade and a 62.2 pass blocking grade and steve that just makes no sense it makes none no sense what the hell how no sense how whatsoever. does a guy give up no pressure and have a rank average grade what the hell is going on
0: there's one missing stat there because he didn't allow any pressures but there was seven other snaps in which he lost seven yes
1: that's quite a lot that
0: did not become pressures and um as always we we're not it's not just binary did you win or lose It is, there are levels of winning and losing. Some were not egregious. Others were, right? There was a play where Khalil Mack, late in the game, tosses him to the ground. But Trevor Lawrence, but he didn't get there in time. Like Mack didn't get there in time, right? right. So it doesn't change the level of block. It was just the ball was out, right? So um, perhaps we should use, we have win rates and all that stuff. Perhaps we should show win rate a little bit more um, rather than just pressures because we do have these slew of plays in a given game where guys have these quick wins and they're just at the mercy of either the speed of the play or the fact that the quarterbacks work into the other side of the field or whatever it
1: might be so we we really need to add bds to premium can you get that done no that is not
0: that is not my i am i am the head of football product yeah for the
1: uh it feels like a football other side of the oh i
0: see not for that side of the company okay i know who you could talk to yeah there's a guy that could do it for you, but not me.
1: Um, but that is, I mean, it's an important piece of context to these things. That The grade is not necessarily measuring pure pressures. It's that missing slice of plays as well that don't exist as pressures. And the reason those exist is because it, it's relevant to the quarterback numbers, right? Like, you don't want to say, okay, your left tackle lost. The edge rusher is bearing down on the quarterback. Therefore, it's pressure. But if the quarterback is looking over here and he never sees it coming – and he put, gets the ball out of his hands, he's not under pressure on that play. So you don't want that showing up as a good play from the quarterback under pressure, because it isn't. The quarterback right. is not under pressure. He's not changing his process because of pressure. He's just playing the game blissfully unaware of the fact that he's half a second away from death. Like those, that's an important distinction that we need to make so we have this extra category of pass blocking or pass rushing wins and losses so that we can count those and not dismiss them.
0: The, the, the grade is accounting for all of these blocks. Obviously that's our point. There's a couple examples though. There's a, there's a spin move that Kyle van Noy wins immediately, but the ball's out in 1.6 seconds had it been. And, and again, it's not, it's not that the tackle is adjusting his pass set. Like, you know, if it's quick game, you know, if the ball's going to come out quickly, but your job is still to block the guy in front of you. You're, you're never supposed to lose in one and a half seconds, right? right. That's never a good block. So we have to grade that block and we grade the rush too. There's that's why it's part of the reason why this whole pass rush versus coverage debate is Miles. an interesting one. And also, yeah, because I'm, well, I'm showing, I'm showing seven plays where our tackle lost and in turn a rusher won, and they didn't even put pressure on the quarterback, right? Those interactions matter. Um, and they count, but they had zero effect on Trevor Lawrence on those particular plays. So it kind of shows if, if the team can't cover well enough while these things are happening, or if they can cover well enough, like that's what's impacting those particular plays because the ball's out of his hand.
1: They, those plays are ones that typically separate or explain some of the difference between pass rushing grade and pressure numbers and totals and stuff between some of the elite players in the NFL. So Miles Garrett, I think for the second year in a row, has had an absolute ton of those plays. So Nick Bosa and uh, Micah Parsons have quite a lot, I think, more pressure or more pressures than miles garrett now miles garrett has a higher pressure rate but the point is he also has an absolute ton of these plays where he wins and he doesn't get there in time because the ball's already out and those generally are plays i don't want to put a percentage on it but a lot of those plays are plays where it's something else determining that happening you know what i mean it's not that miles garrett is just slow getting to the pressure it's that Whilst that's happening, his corner is getting toasted and the rest of the line is doing nothing, so the quarterback's easily able to just drop back, fire the ball away, while Miles Garrett is whooping the left tackle.
0: That's the perspective, right? The difference between the viewer seeing this play or not seeing this play is essentially whether or not the receiver's open right off the bat, right? So in this Trevor Lawrence play where there's a 1.6, like the pressure comes in 1.5 seconds, if that first read is covered, and he has to move to a second read, he's getting sacked. He's yeah. getting smoked by Kyle Van Noy, but the first read's open, the ball's out. And, and in order for it. that
1: to happen, like a cornerback needs to make a play at the same time. Right, so if the, right, if the corner has good coverage on
0: that first read, or there's a late rotation of coverage, right? When the right. Eagles had uh, six or seven sacks on Ryan Tannehill a couple weeks ago, when you watch the film, it was amazing symmetry between their coverage unit and their pass rush, right? They win a lot of their rushes, but at the same time, Tannehill could not throw the ball right off the bat and they did they had other games like this the eagles the quarterback could not make his first read and that gives the pass rush that extra half second when they win it becomes a pressure rather than one of these bds that don't show up anywhere mm-hmm. so walker little he wasn't bad by any means but the zero pressures allowed was a little deceiving because he, he had other losses that did not necessarily show up on the stat sheet. Mm-hmm. there you go grade explained yep Uh, Sam Romero, I think you said, sent it in? Yes. And he said, explain your Jaguars bias. And I don't know if he was being facetious or not, but (laughs) just showing there's no bias there except for the 90s Jags. Fully biased toward the 90s Jags You are very much so. Yeah. Should I wear my Brunel jersey for the show tomorrow?
1: Sure. Okay. I mean, you
0: wear jerseys all the time.
1: They tend to be rugby ones.
0: Yeah, I understand. Would that look too biased if I was wearing a Brunel jersey?
1: I mean, yes, but I don't see that as a reason to not do it all right maybe I will you've worn your Josh Allen jersey before that's true some guy was all up in the comments about us being all a schoolgirl fanboy about Josh Allen it's just interesting because we get we get new listeners you know and uh, we
0: appreciate all of our new listeners Um, I think there was a comment in the YouTube channel was like hey I just found this show and other people are chiming in like oh you're gonna love it yeah you're gonna there's some inside jokes like people that have been here for years someone who thinks that we are uh, Josh Allen apologists have not been here for years they don't know the uh, the ebbs and flows of our Josh Allen analysis. Well
1: you and the apology well, letters. Both of us, in fact, are literal Josh Allen apologists. Literally apologists. Haven't apologized to yeah. him for the, the slander, the hate of the first two years. I mean, I've done
0: have I've I've ripped up the apology form and gone back and signed the apology form. I've done both. Correct. So um, I guess I am a Josh Allen apologist. I apologized. Hmm. You're right full
1: circle here I also think by the way it it is entirely possible to bring rational and nuanced and balanced analysis whilst also thinking that Josh Allen is a both an incredibly exciting player to watch and b, the more you see of the guy appears to be one of the nicest human beings in the world like he's a very easy person to root for and I'm sure there's a lot of players in the NFL that are but like I don't have a problem with putting that out publicly like Josh Allen is a nice guy to root for I have no problem hoping the guy does well all right I need a minute here for that then
0: there was the, the Chris Sims tweet from a, a few weeks ago. Because um, remember, he was like hitting on every quarterback. Like, oh, I had the best quarterback rankings the yeah. year. Like, I hit on Josh Allen. I right. hit on this guy, that guy. And at some point, he said, well, I want to be an NFL GM one yes, day. This I is why make I these be
1: rankings because I not because yes. something, not to please people, because I want to be an NFL GM.
0: And, and, and nobody loves ranking non-quarterbacks more than me. Quarterbacks just give me, you know, headaches. I love ranking players. I love all that stuff, but that's not the GM's job, right? And when we're ranking players, we aren't privy to the thing that the Bills probably fell in love with, which was Josh Allen, the person in addition to all of those tools and all that stuff, right? We're not privy to that information, which is extremely important. And it is not a GM's job to like hit on your quarterback rankings. It's really not. You have other people in the building that are giving your opinions. You are an information facilitator to finally come to a a decision. The teams that are hiring GMs right now are not hiring them because they're the best at ranking quarterbacks or knowing who the best quarterback is, right? There's a million other things that the GM is supposed to do. So, yeah, I don't think it matters what your quarterback rankings are or where you were, right? Because it's actually not the thing. And you can't come off of your takes because it's like, hey, now I understand what Josh Allen means to the city of Buffalo, why they loved him so much. And then, oh, by the way, he improved incredibly. And you're not privy to the information that's going to help you predict maybe if a guy's going to be that guy that's going to improve or not. Zach Wilson, is he the opposite, right? Like, was there stuff in the interview process or things that we're not privy to that would have been warning signs?
1: All that stuff. I don't know. I mean, you know, you're the guy making the final call, so I think it's pretty relevant whether you can spot talent or not. Yeah, I get it. But, like, a
0: GM's not over there. Like, I'm, I've got Alan Wan – Uh, Mayfield two, Darnold three and then the rest of the buildings like uh, we've got Mayfield one and he's like nope my rankings are the best I'm taking Josh Allen I, I win it's 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 the entire building right it's not like your rankings versus 15 of your scouts it's all of it it's your scouts it's it's whatever the analytics team says it's the interview process it's what the other people that you hired say and you take all that information and roll it up into a decision You don't just say well here's my rankings sorry guys go with my rankings go with my gut i mean some guys might but that's not really the job description you're not hiring the best scouts to be your gm
1: yeah i mean i think it's one of the job descriptions within the job the problem with like gm and head coach is 15 jobs rolled into one and you need to be good at all of them otherwise you get fired
0: yeah, I guess I'm I'm kind
1: of saying that. That's
0: that's yeah. one of 15.
1: But I think 20, of the one, 20. it's still quite an important one. Like, yeah, no, I can't don't, I don't yeah, just be like, yeah, it doesn't matter if I can't spot talent. I don't think I'm just your take you individual my
0: eval is more important than the fact that you're an inf- information I, processor. It's not
1: necessarily more important than that, but if you stink at it, it's probably quite important. I,
0: I honestly don't think you need to be good at ranking players to be a general manager. You don't. I think you do. You don't. You're getting all the information you need. You're getting scouting grades. But what if you can't like, so, okay. What you need to do is know how good your scouts are, right? Your scouts are giving you you data How are you
1: supposed to do that
0: if you don't know?
1: Because it has nothing
0: to do with you watching film. Like you could watch zero film and still make a good decision.
1: You could. Only after the guy has screwed you six times. Like the idea would be to cut that off before it costs you your job.
0: I'm saying your job is to extract the right information and then to process it properly and then go make a decision. Right. That's what the but, general manager does.
1: But I think that's a lot easier to do if you have an internal ability to cut off bad information before it costs you or causes problems. Than anybody could come in after the fact of, oh, look, it turns out this one guy on the scouting department, everybody he suggested that we've drafted is stank. So we should probably get rid of him.
0: Oh, that part I get, yeah. But you don't even need to, so the... I'm talking about the general manager, like the general yeah. manager's scouting acumen doesn't matter but
1: what i'm saying because is
0: anybody can go in and say hey johnny scout give me your last 10 years of evaluations and qb rankings oh they stink i'm not going to listen to them i don't need to watch film to evaluate his last 10 years
1: what if he hasn't got 10 years what if he's been in the building two years one year
0: i don't know you, you weigh it properly
1: but what i'm saying is it's a lot easier to do that if you can come in and go oh look i, I mean i don't agree with that at all and cut off bad information before it actually causes problems. I understand. I'm not saying it's
0: not useful at all. I'm saying we overrate the fact that, you know, whoever can put a ranking next to quarterback names, and that's the thing that's uh, most valuable. I mean, picking the right quarterback or picking a quarterback is the most valuable thing, but it's not because you're the best scout.
1: We're only only a day into this new expanded PFF NFL podcast show. uh, And already... You have caused a revolt within the staff. Oh, what I do? Gordon uh, said they did not put a lock emoji next to the Walker Little tweet and demands a retraction live on the air. Uh, I've suggested that we don't delete takes, and now he's mocking my my putting a cup inside a cup, which is not because I don't understand how cups work. It's because it takes up less space and is less cluttered. I'm being neat, tidy.
0: Since I'm flawless, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have some humility here. Oh. I will retract the lock emoji. I didn't say it that it would definitely had a lock emoji. I said it probably did.
1: Yeah. So I retract. But don't apologize.
0: No, I won't. Okay. I retract the statement that Walker the Walker Little tweet had a lock emoji. Hmm. However, I won't apologize for my missteps. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that sounds like a very flawless attitude. Yeah.
0: The whole social media team's gonna hate me.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> pretty well, good chance what? that
0: happens guess what gordon the next time you we tweet out a guy with a 60 pass blocking grade with like zero sacks allowed i'm gonna call that out too great draft season's coming up we're gonna have the zero sacks allowed tweets coming up
1: yeah They're misleading don't mislead the people Well, sometimes they might not be they That's the thing. Be. you, you did it
0: with zach martin the other day you talked about his sacks allowed they weren't that wasn't misleading it wasn't because he's awesome yeah it's got to match the grade
1: and he's been really good pass blocking this year it's the run yeah. blocking where he's Slip that. It's still
0: kind there. of misleading to people. You're using like the fifth best stat for pass
1: blocking. No, 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 that's the point though. It's not misleading unless it takes you in a different direction than the rest of the data gotcha. would take you. Like gotcha. it's just, it's just a bad data point. We're all just trying to get better.
0: All right, let's end the show. It's been a great show. Appreciate it. it's good to be back here. Appreciate everybody for listening and listening to the extra shows. And we all love having Renner a part of the show as well. So we'll keep doing that going forward. Hit that thumbs up on the way out, and of course. Not much changes for tomorrow. We're going to spend two and a half hours previewing four <laughs> games. That's what we're doing. We'll do any four games. No, it'll be a tighter show tomorrow. Almost certainly. Oh, of course it will. Almost certainly. All right. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll see you again tomorrow as we preview the divisional round.